the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dear heart, God has called you. And because God has called you, there is no place to surrender faith for fear. There's no place to let the enemy have his way in your life. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, then keep this telephone number in mind. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there ready to take your phone call right now. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, Overcoming When Life is Crazy. It is a part of the Cosmic Controversy series, In fact, it is number 13 in the series. We'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast here today, but due to our time constraints, we'll need to bring you the second portion the next time we get together. But you can always listen online at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. I used to run long distance, and I remember at the school picnic at Fletcher Academy, I ran a race. And I conked out. I fainted right after I crossed the finish line. Now, the marathon is a test of emotional and physical endurance. It's not a contest of the fastest speed a runner can run. It's not a contest of a speed burst and sprint. It's not a contest of muscles and might put on the line just suddenly so. Marathon runners tend to be thin and lean. If you've watched them, they're just real skinny-looking guys. They just keep going and going and going or skinny-looking women who keep going and going and going. The people who win marathons are the people who have endurance more than speed. And the one who endures as the fastest in a marathon race, obviously, is the first person to cross the finish line. But he's not really the winner. Because if you ask a marathon runner the question, who is the winner, a real marathon runner will tell you, whoever crosses the finish line, that person is a winner. Whoever finishes a marathon, you see a winner. If it takes you two days to crawl across the finish line, you are a winner. If you go across the finish line in your wheelchair, you are a winner. Recently, marathons have been in the headlines. A pregnant mother ran the last Chicago marathon, and she finished just in time to have her baby. Now, women, this is a way you can induce labor. Just run a marathon, and you will have a baby. Now, here are some statistics about marathons. A marathon is exactly 42.195 kilometers, or 26 miles and 385 yards. In recent years, the distance has been standardized. Today's marathon is based on the Greek story of a foot runner who carried the message of victory over the Persian forces at the Great Battle of Marathon in 490 B.C. The runner ran without stopping. He ran with the the message. He ran all the way, probably 40-plus kilometers. And when he arrived at Athens, he he exclaimed in gasping breath, We have won. And after he said, We have won, he died. This sealed his place in history. I mean, he's, he's been part of the story ever since. Whoever finishes a marathon has the courage, the stamina, and endurance. And even if you drop dead, you're considered a winner. 
Recently, someone died running the Chicago Marathon. It made national news here. His name was Mr. Cavanus. He was a firefighter. He died. His condition was a mitral valve prolapse, and no one knew he had the problem until it was manifested in his death. He died of a heart defect. And so you can run the race, you can finish the race, you can even die. But if you are committed to the cause, you're a winner. In recent times, in fact, recently in the London Marathon, Rob Sloan thought he was smarter than the average marathon runner and too good to stay on the track with everyone else. He said, well, you know, I, do I have to really go the distance to be a winner? He was asking himself that question. He felt like the world owed him something in the race, and he felt like the pressures of hanging in there were just too hard, so he would take a shortcut. So what did he do? He decided to finish the race in a most unusual kind of way. He was 20 miles through the race. He had a good pace. And so he got off the track. He flagged down a bus. He got on the bus. He had the bus go to near the end of the line. He got back into the race. And he came in third place. That's how he did it. It made national news. Now, it wasn't the fact that he got third place that did so. It was what happened afterward. He finished third that day, improving his best race time by only 21 minutes. Stephen Cairns was third all the way, and he came in fourth that day, and he couldn't figure out how. He wrote this note on Facebook that evening. He said, I was third the whole way, but somehow I crossed the line and was given fourth. I started to doubt myself as he was adamant that he had gone past me. I... I could understand him taking the goodie bag and the t-shirt, but to do the press interview claiming he was third, well, there's a little injustice in this world after all. Rob Sloan was disqualified because he, he did not have the courage to finish the race in the right way. Now, dear heart, there are times in every Christian's life when life circumstances are crazy. Crazy, insane events hitting you one after the other until it looks like your life is out of control. When something is out of control in your life, you want to just cut it off and throw it away, don't you? But you can't always do that. There are some things in life you can't cut off and throw away. There are some things you have to endure through. Dear heart, God has not called you to be a loser in life. God has not called you as a Christian to give up before you finish the race. God has not called you to have some tragic story as your testimony of being a Christian. Your life was not put here on earth to become a tragic motif that doesn't matter in the divine plan. If you have Jesus Christ by faith, if you are holding on to Him and His Word, you are by definition a winner. And a winner does not give up, and a winner does not give in to pressure. Dear heart, faith in Jesus Christ has teleported you this day into the very presence of God. As Christ stands at the right hand of the Father, in Christ you are at the side of favor. This morning, I'm not ashamed of the gospel that takes born losers and turns them into born-again believers who are winners for the kingdom of God. I am not ashamed of the truth that takes ordinary people and transforms them into extraordinary people for the work of God. I'm not ashamed of grace that reaches down to the lowest spot on earth and finds those who cannot raise themselves and elevates them to the highest state in righteousness before God and acceptance for the cause of God. I'm not ashamed of a truth that looks for the nobodies of this planet and declares them by faith to be just and righteous for eternity, stars forever in a black sea of stars that will forever shine to God's glory. I'm not ashamed of the truth of the gospel. God is not pleased when he hears his people here on earth 
whining about their trials and difficulties that are meant to prove a person's faith is pure and to fix their life for God as a winner. Dear heart, God has called you. And because God has called you, there is no place to surrender faith for fear. There's no place to let the enemy have his way in your life by giving in to the obstacles of life. God is not pleased when he hears that. If there is no cross in your life, there will be no crown at the end of life. So cling to the cross and claim the crown of life right now. Now I'd like to share with you a promise this morning in its immediate context. This promise I'm getting ready to share with you is proof that you can overcome the crazy stuff that hits you hard and still be a winner. Look at Romans 8, 28. Write it down. A life-transforming verse right here in your Bible for you to take home. The Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now this is an amazing verse in the writings of Paul, right in the Bible for you this day. First, let's notice what this verse does not say. It does not say that all things work together for good for everyone. One phrase in this verse is a condition and a qualifier for the truth that is offered freely here. And we must look at that phrase. It's not for everyone that it is true, or else it would be stoicism. The Stoics believe that all things work together for good for everyone. Paul is not saying that. But only for those who meet the condition here offered. The promise is made with this condition quote, to those who love God, end quote. That's the qualifier. If you love God, all things work together for good in your life, period. Did you hear me? If you love God, none of the mess or crazy stuff that is coming across your way is for your ruin or ill. It is for your good. Now that leaves absolutely no room for whining about anything that happens to you on the trail of life. It leaves no room for this. It leaves no room for a tragic motif to take over your testimony. It leaves no place for a sense of injustice to dominate your Christian experience. It leaves no place to exchange the truth that your life makes sense to a God who loves you for the lie that somehow your life makes no sense. A hallelujah is the best way to respond to a truth like this one. And sometimes it's not culturally acceptable, so let's do it anyway. Hallelujah! Now in the context... Paul is saying more than just all things work together for good for those who love God. He says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, the key confession here is we know. Do you know? Or does someone else know this? Now, you can trust people in your life who have no experience of success. You can model your behavior after those people who claim to be experts. Or you can actually find someone in life who has proven their words to be true, who is successful. And if you want to be a successful person, you can study at the feet of a successful person or you can study at the feet of someone who writes books about successful people. I mean, you can go to college sometimes, take a class from someone who wrote a book about success, or you can actually get to know someone who is a success in the business world. Who would you rather study from? Someone who became a millionaire or someone who talks about millionaires if you're a businessman? You want to really go to someone who's successful. Now, the same is true in the Christian life. You can hang around Christians who are scandal-driven, depressed about their walk with God, or you can learn from those who know that God is good and they treasure the honey of God. Sweet Christians breed sweet Christians, or you can hang around bitter Christians. But people who have tasted God and they know that God is good, they make good company to hang around. I just got a brochure in the mail from a theological society that has dedicated its next forum of papers to theodicy, 
which means the justification of God. Now that's a fancy theological way of saying they're going to spend a lot of time studying injustice and the character of God and the justification of God. Now you can interact with those kind of people who spend all of their time asking questions. Or you can fellowship with tried and true Christians who love God's word, who have tasted God's kindness, and they know that God is good. And the certainty of their faith can come into your life and spill over into gladness and joy. Now, which group would you rather hang around with? You can hang around armchair theologians who ask questions all the time. Or you can hang around Christians who speak faith in time who pray with confidence in God, who love Jesus in the midst of the trials of life. If you're struggling for optimism, if you're struggling for purpose, what kind of environment do you need to be in? It's the latter. You need to be around contagious believers that are the kind of people who love God, who live for God, and who promote the work of God with boldness. Who you listen to in the church will define who you are as a Christian in the church. Now, my mother had many challenges facing her life. She was a paranoid schizophrenic. But one thing I learned from my mother that I've never forgotten, my mother never allowed her fears to overcome her faith. And she had more fears than most people can imagine. My mother never allowed people's negative statements about her to shape her attitude toward them. She loved the person that was unkind to her as much as she loved herself. And that was the mark of greatness, and she has passed that on in my memory, something I treasure about her. And so Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. I ask you this morning, is your faith in Jesus an optimistic, buoyant faith that can face the trials of life and say, praise the Lord? Or is your faith one that when you face obstacles and difficulties, you say, why did the Lord bring me here? Ask yourself the question, where is your faith? Dear heart, it's time to look up in your life and have a life that's built on faith and fellowship with people who are enamored with Jesus Christ. The end of time is not about the time of trouble. The end of time is about the joy of sharing Jesus with a dying world all the way down to the end of time. It's about dynamic living in the face of fierce opposition and spiritual challenges that forms character, that leads us closer to Christ, that deepens the life. It's about growing up into God instead of declining into a paralysis and malaise in the pew. It's about love when the world is about war. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. It's about love when the world is about war. Being the few that stand for God when the many fall away from God. It's about the truth of Jesus that stands against Satan's kingdom when Satan's kingdom is the popular way to live. I'd like to say just one thing in light of this wonderful promise in God's Word. 
Hallelujah. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his promise or purpose. The last part of this verse says a lot to me. It says to those who are called according to his purpose. When the Lord calls you, he doesn't call you into a path that leads you to futile living. He doesn't call you to expose you to grief and ruin that will destroy you and demoralize your life. When he calls you, he calls you according to his purpose. Now that means three truths that you can bank on in the middle of the great recession of the 21st century. So write them down. Truth number one, distilled from this passage, your life matters to God. You say, what? My life matters to God? Dear heart, your life matters to God. Truth number two, your life has meaning in His eyes. It's not just that you're here for the purpose of doing something for God. Your life has meaning in His eyes because He cares about you, who you are, your destiny, your future, your dreams. He cares about you because you are a meaningful person to Him. And truth number three, God has a definite plan and purpose for you. You are not an accident believer. You're not a person that steps into history and is here for a time and then goes away and it won't matter. You are here because God has destined you to make a difference. And if you don't know what that purpose is, then you need to surrender to the call of Christ and listen to God because He did not call you to come to Christ to do nothing. He called you to be and to live for Him. And if you don't know the future plan of God, you can still submit to that plan by faith. As long as you know Him, even if you don't know the plan, you're in the plan. And you can submit to His plan, even if you don't know what it is, by choosing a good attitude of gratitude for the pleasure of simply being in the plan of Christ. Have you ever had regrets in your life? You wish you could go back and fix the past? Everyone here. No one here has. Huh? Okay. You ever gone back and said, if I could only done this differently, then I'd be here. If I only had that degree, I'd be this great worker for God here. If I only had not failed in this way, I'd be this. Dear heart, you are exactly where God wants you to be right now if you have Jesus. And you will be, if you follow Jesus, where you need to be in life if you follow him. Romans 8, 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Brilliant truths pour out of the context here. God knew you before you knew you. God chose you before you chose him. God determined that your life would be a changed life before that change ever started in your life. In the context, Jesus is the key to all these good things, the good news of your acceptance and future is in him. He is the firstborn among many brethren. Now Paul is not talking here about Jesus' birth in the manger when he talks this way. He's talking about the resurrection that when Christ became the firstborn from the dead, it became an archetypical truth for you that will determine the course and outcome of your future. He puts it plainly in Colossians 1.18. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Dear heart, what Jesus is because of the resurrection, you will one day become because of him. What he has become is what you are becoming today because of him. 
And God's acceptance of Jesus in the resurrection is proof that God accepts you right now if you have faith in Him. And all that He has become, the favor He enjoys, the body that is new to Him, the future, the power of an indestructible life, all that is yours if you have Him. So how does God treat people who are unfinished works dealing with the crazy stuff of life while called by God and claimed by Christ? How does God treat us on the pathway that leads to glory day? How does he do that? And what status does the believer enjoy today even though his or her life is not yet finished in the plan of God? What status do we have today in the journey? Romans 8.30, Paul says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called... And whom he called, these he also justified. That's another word for acceptance. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now you'll notice in these three statements that Paul uses the past tense to show that your past, your present, and your future is a done deal with God. If you belong to God, there is no confusion in his mind as to the outcome of your life. If you belong to God, your future is fixed and you have no reason to give up on God. You may be in the middle of a great controversy between good and evil. Your personal life may be thrown this way and that, but if you have Jesus Christ, the outcome is certain if you do not relinquish your faith. In the next sentence, Paul asks the question that you may ask if you have come to understand what he is talking about here. It's the important question. It's the only question you can ask in the light of these wonderful truths planted by the gospel here. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Dear heart, in the plan of God, even the hatred of your enemies becomes a blessing as God turns it into your favor with the wheel of grace. In the plan of God, every arrow of the enemy that hits you hard only injects your life with more grace, more faith, more power, more of God to overcome for God. In the plan of God, His kingdom will be built upon the sorrows and trials that you face as you face them with faith. Christ will come as we near the final conflict at the end of the age and going through those trials will bring us to glory day. And the very thing that threatens to destroy you at the time of the end will be the very key that opens the door to a future that will never end. Dear heart, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now what is the proof of this fact? How can you make a statement like that, Paul? How can you claim that truth? and really drive it home to the believer's heart in the Christian era. Romans 8.32, here's the answer. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God is the judge. And if God looks into your broken life and he says not guilty... It doesn't matter what anyone else says. If God looks into your fractured experience and you have a past that you can't deal with and God ignores your past and He accepts you in Jesus, then it doesn't matter what anyone says about your past. Dear heart, if your self-esteem is broken and your self-judgment of yourself is so low that you cannot declare yourself of worth, if God declares you worthy in Jesus, you are worthy in Jesus. Who is he who condemns? Verse 34. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now people leave church all the time for these reasons. Paul says, will these things take Christ away from us? Will it remove God's favor and love? Look what he says, verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, not some of them, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear heart, it's time to quit whining in the Christian walk, complaining in the pew, fretting about the trials of your walk with God because the crazy things of life come, but Christ is in the mix. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the first portion of Overcoming When Life is Crazy. Make sure you join us again the next time we get together when we complete this message or you can go online right now and listen to it in its entirety at reachingyourheart.com. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Again, you can listen to this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com in its entirety along with the rest of the Cosmic Controversy series. And join us again next time. We so appreciate you listening. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.